Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Wes Winham. He is a software entrepreneur from Chukyushe, Oklahoma. He moved to Indiana for a software engineering degree at Rose Holman and then fell in love with startups. He was the employee number one at a SaaS startup called PolicyStat, where he was responsible for product engineering. He helped grow the company from zero to more than 5 million ARR and in to a May 2017 acquisition. Wes lives downtown Indianapolis with his wife and his three adorable pet rats, Kazen, Rebel, and Shishu. Wes, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm doing great. So Wes, I think we we got connected through a mutual friend and another um, podcast guest, uh, Mike Hurley. Yeah. Um, He's at Fretless and he's also doing warm-up. And he was telling me about, um, just how a brilliant guy you are and just how a humble guy you are with um, what you know with you know software engineering and so I did a little digging deeper and was uh, was interested about your company um, woven and um, I want to let the listeners know the converge coffee listeners out there know um, what is woven and why did you start the company so at woven we help Software companies hire software developers. We do that by building a better screening process. So if you apply to a company, you send your resume in, and resumes have lots of problems for everybody. They kind of suck everywhere. You're judging a whole person based on this like one-page document. So instead, uh, we help our customers screen developers based on what they can do. Everybody gets a shot to show that they can, they can do the job. And turns out that's more fair for candidates. It also is better for companies because they find folks that they wouldn't have interviewed at all who are actually great and they do super well in the interviews. So that's my favorite part of my job is finding someone, somebody gets hired for a job they're awesome at and they wouldn't even have had a chance for that job. They didn't go to the right school. They're not from the right place. They don't know the right words. Um, It just feels really good because it's hard to hire software developers. There's not enough of us. So screening out folks that are good that just don't have the right resume. Uh, it's just bad for everybody. I like it. And so what kind of got you to the, to have the idea with woven? Was it just with your background or was it somebody said something and it was like, Oh, I have like this aha moment that we should start this. Uh, like anything, it was, it was a series of lots of little insights. So growing up, I played, I played lots of basketball in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Um, one of the things I learned really, really quickly is that if you want to create a good pickup basketball team, you should pick all the good rebounders because in pickup, everybody sucks. There's lots of rebounds and the people that crash the board, that's how you win pickup basketball games. And it seems like obvious to me, but it seemed like it was not obvious to most people that pick teams. So I won a lot of pickup basketball games if I was the captain. Um, fast forward uh, 15 years and I'm the head of engineering at a startup. I've done a couple rounds of hiring and it worked out pretty well. I thought, I thought I was pretty good at it. And then I had my first mishire and it was totally my fault. Um, it really sucked because it was a good person that was trying hard and I, and I gave him a job he couldn't be as successful at. So then I like, you know, I'm sad. How can I never do this again? It sucked. I went and did a bunch of research. I found out that better companies than me were hiring differently. Uh, the idea is if you want to hire a dancer, you should probably watch them dance you shouldn't ask them about dancing. Yeah, that dancing conversation is not as predictive as actual dancing, which is, you know, seems kind of obvious in retrospect. So I spent a few years trying to build a system where 
people had a chance to show what they can do and it was working pretty well. And then on a whim, uh, I just, I was hiring like a mid-level engineer, like three years of experience roughly. And I got a resume in from a brand new college grad, zero years of experience. And kind of on a whim, I gave them this work simulation, like go do these engineering things thinking, you know, he wouldn't do, do well. I was just you know, feeling crazy on a Friday. And then he did as well as one of my senior engineers, no experience resume. Didn't look like anything special. Turns out he'd been doing lots of side projects and all this stuff to learn, but it wasn't on his resume. And that was kind of the eureka moment. Like there are these great people out there that just don't know how to play the resume game. Uh, and, and I'm screening them out and I've come to find out lots of other people are screening them out. And if we give those folks a chance, then our companies are better off, our teams are better off, and I think it's more fair for for everybody. I like that, I, and I like that basketball reference too because you're you're bringing it back to a, an Indiana guy here. So, <laughs> but the uh, the interesting thing is, and it kind of leads me to my next question is is you you've kind of alluded to a few things with people with um, their resumes that it's not really a good um, storytelling experience or a messaging experience of who they are and what they're about. So. You know, what has been your experience about messaging and storytelling in a good hiring process? There's kind of two sides of this, right? There's there's as a candidate, uh, how do I use storytelling to my advantage? And then as a as a hiring manager, how do I take advantage of storytelling? So as a candidate, this comes into play at your resume. There's a uh, someone did a study. They sent out a bunch of fake resumes and they measured who got the callback, which of the versions of the resumes. Uh in one set of resumes, they gave someone a second degree. So they had like a, a engineering degree and a math degree. It's like twice as much school. The other set of resumes, they just reordered those bullet points you have, you see under like your job experience where it's like, you know, uh, uh, built a uh, AWS deployment system or whatever. So in the second resume, they used a verb to start the bullet point. In the first res- resume with the double degree, they had the verb kind of like the third word which is like very common in resumes I see. The candidate with half as much school that used better storytelling bullet points by starting with a verb got twice as many callbacks. So don't go to school, just rearrange your uh, resume for better storytelling. That's kind of the lesson. So as a candidate, look for opportunities to tell stories about yourself. Um, And this is something that I used to be bad at. I am a recovering summarizer and stories are are very different. Now on the hiring side, your job here is to pull stories out of candidates. Because if you asked people, like if I ask the question, how are you at resolving conflict? Everyone has a very similar answer. They say like, well, when there's a conflict, I get to the root of the problem, I stay calm, I get everyone involved to share their feelings, and we come to a great conclusion. Say, okay, that, I don't really learn anything. You ask the question, tell me about a time you resolved a difficult conflict with a colleague. And then someone will think and they'll say, well, you know, I had this one colleague, he's just kind of the worst. Uh, so every time he would come in and he would crap on my work. And then finally I talked to my boss and I was like, this guy sucks. And I figured out that he was actually coming in late and I told on him and got him fired. It's like, oh yeah, you really got to the root of the problem there. Didn't you, you know, you, you, when you, when you get stories out of people, you can, uh, you, you can judge their behavior based on what matters to you. And it's kind of hard sometimes to get those stories. So you'll, you'll sometimes ask that question and people will go straight into summary. And it's kind of like, can you tell me an example of that? And then people will tell you kind of what they're like because we are all kind of the heroes of our own story. So in that story I just told about 
you know, getting your coworker fired because they're late because you didn't like them. Um, most people will tell that story and they're the hero and they did the right thing. But if you can pull the story out as the hiring manager, you can judge where that, whether that's the behavior you want. And maybe you do. Maybe like you value being on time. Um, so hearing about someone not being on time is really valuable and you want to hire that person. Or you can decide that's not what you want. But when you pull the story out, you get to evaluate. If you pull a summary out, they get to evaluate. I like it. And I like that we're, we're talking about the, the interviewer and the candidate process here. That, you know, how that interaction goes back and forth of how, how, do, they, how do they take that message out and how do they, they can understand because we can, we can all understand and t- tell a story. It's just how um, people interpret that story, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, so which leads me to my next question, which is there is a hiring shortage for, you know, obviously software engineers and that kind of stuff. And, and companies are fighting tooth and nail to, to find those right people or to attract those right people. And so moving outside of the interviewing process, more of the prospecting process, you know, how should companies storytell better to attract more talent? Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question because it's a it's a question most a lot of uh, a lot of companies are not asking. If you look at the average job post, uh, most people call it a job description. And if you look at it, it's not a story. It's a bullet. It's a it's a list of requirements that you need to apply, if, you know. Are you worthy for this job? That's really the context you get. It is 99% what I want as an employer and maybe 1% what the candidate gets out of it. That's, that's just the wrong way to look at a job description. You're not going to get a lot of candidates that way. Candidates have lots of options. You need to, we, need to, we need to sell candidates on our position and our company and our mission. And storytelling is the best way to do that. One of the so, so first, it's shift the mindset from... I am, you know, I'm setting a hurdle, a bar for candidates to apply to, I am attracting candidates with, with our story and our mission. So once you've shifted that mindset, the best way, a good way to apply that, uh, I see some companies do like a, a day in the life type things where you can describe what a great day looks like at this job and how you help people and how your mission makes a difference. Um, that, so I think like a day in the life, you know, on a given day you will, and then you can say like in the morning, you're gonna you're gonna answer support tickets and, and make people people's day better and and durably fix problems by finding holes in the system. In the after in the uh, afternoon, you're gonna review a teammate's code so that you can collaborate and, and become a better engineer and help them be a better engineer. Things like that. And then on the on the very beginning, this is the like, this is where you describe your company. The biggest mistake I, I see here is describing your company as you would to your buyer. So copy pasting some things from your website that's targeted at like, especially if you're B2B software, like if you're selling to businesses and you use all the acronyms that, you know, only insiders know, candidates are going to be like, I guess I'll apply to this job if I don't have any other options, but I can't tell what this company does. It's like clearly describing what the heck you do and then how that makes somebody's day or life better. That puts you way above the average. And that's, that's a storytelling skill. Why, why are people better off? I like it. I mean, that's it's, it's the simplicity is, in it is the, the impact and the greatness of it. So I really like that. Um, no more drilling questions here. So um, can you tell me a story about um, offline background that's something that's not unwoven or um, out, out there that you, you know, you helped a, a client realize that storytelling or even a candidate realize storytelling can be um, very impactful of, you know, finding that right position or finding that right person. So um, what, 
I have learned a lot about interviews. I had to read a lot to start this startup. And one of the ways I've helped practice that, especially early on, was I found friends that were looking for jobs. And we would get coffee and we would talk about it. And one of my biggest um, recommendations is to create a bank of stories. So when you go through interviews, you get a lot of questions. There are infinite flavors of questions. The, the mindset that makes us most successful is interviewees is to take a question and turn it in an opportunity to tell a good story about ourselves. Uh, one that we think presents us well and is an example of us doing what we think makes us great. So you actually don't need that many stories. So I would sit with friends and we would create a bank of stories. I would ask them some questions and then uh, we would kind of step through stories and like, okay, you've got seven stories that are really good. They show how you resolve conflict, how you push through problems, how you're able to learn on your own. And you get those seven stories, you practice them a few times, and then that, that's the answer for thousands of questions. You ask you a question, and you're like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to tell story number four. And uh, by doing that, it, it, it gives you less anxiety about the, the job interview because you don't have to prepare for a thousand questions like, oh, crap, I've never heard that one before. You're like, all right, let's see, what story do I have for that? So I think interviewing, interviewing for jobs is super stressful. So anything you can do to feel prepared um, just, just makes it less... Uh, mentally exhausting. So I've, I think I've done that for four or five friends now and it, it feels good and also helps me practice. I like it. And you're helping friends. I mean, you're, you're testing out the market. <laughs> you're testing out the friend market and that kind of stuff, which we, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we always have to do start out with, you know, the most immediate people. Okay. Well, what's the most immediate need and seeing how we test it. So I like that part. So, okay. Wes, enough about woven software engineering. Um, or actually, this actually relates to the next question. Uh, <laughs> it's about you. It's about you. Um, so why do you get up? You just wake up in the and you know wake up in the morning. You know why do you go to work? What, what is your your main goal or goals that you want to achieve each and every day? So I think there are lots of stuff that needs to be better in the world. I think it's easy for us all to see it. Um, there's lot. There's lots of stuff broken, uh, and the thing that makes the world better, like our people on teams with with a mission like i like some of my like peak life experiences have been like on a good team doing something it could be a sports team it could be like a side project like that like it just feels really good to have complementary skills with someone else driving towards something that, that you care about and i think that right now there are lots of people that are not on teams that they could be on that they would contribute to because of really stupid reasons because of they you know they had, a, they had a tougher time growing up. They weren't able to get into the right. They didn't go to a good high school, so it was hard to get into college. They had to help their mom, their sick relatives. There's just all reasons where like people fall through the cracks of this path that creates this like career that's kind of easy mode. Like I've been really lucky. My, you know, I had mostly, you know, I had to like apply myself and I, I couldn't slack off completely, but mostly I just had to show up and then not screw up. I didn't have to like overcome a lot of heart hardships. And there are lots of really like uh, talent is evenly distributed. There are lots of talented people and hardworking people, but opportunity is not. And I think our, uh, our, our society doesn't do a great job of bringing the opportunity to those talented people. And if I can do just a little bit to solve that problem, I think it's, it, it makes a difference. Every time someone gets a job that they wouldn't have otherwise got it, it feels really good. And I think human, like human ingenuity is the ultimate renewable resource. Anything that makes that 
a little bit better, a little bit more efficient has a, has a big impact on what we can do uh, as, as a big bunch of humans. I like it. I like that. The one saying where you said talent and hard work, it can be distributed, evenly distributed, but opportunity isn't. And I really like that part. Yeah, I really like that. Well, so, you know, moving away from work and, you know, other focuses other than basketball and rebounding, what do you do creatively or hobby that kind of, you know, reinvigorates yourself, you know, saying that back into work or a new idea or something like that? So my wife will say, I only really talk about like four or five things. And if it's not woven and hiring and human capital allocation uh, and the economics of that, I really like uh, cities and urbanism and how we design our cities matters a lot for like the lived experience of of the people in them. So uh, transit, uh, zoning, land use policy, like how we can build walkable cities where we have lots of little human interaction in these smaller communities versus being 15 minute, a 15 minute drive from everywhere where we are unhealthy, like by design, because we're just doing a lot of sitting and we don't have a lot of interaction with our neighbors because they are 50 feet away. And there's only four neighbors that are like within a a five minute walk because we're all spread out houses, which are also super financially inefficient. It's like the design of our, our our cities and and how we live is like, that's my, uh, there's a group called strong Indy locally here in Indianapolis. It's a membership of strong, uh, strong towns, which is the group of like, how do we build these financially sustainable, healthy environments for, for people. And that's like, I get super jazzed out, uh, jazzed up about that. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day is that I live in a burb and it takes 10 minutes to drive somewhere. You sit in a location and you just don't get to know your neighbors anymore. Yeah. It's so hard. And yeah. And you drive to the gym, right? So you, 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 you sit down for 10 or 15 minutes to drive to get healthy. Right. Most of human history, if we wanted to go somewhere, we walked, we used our legs, uh, we, we, we got exercise just by living our life. And now we've like uh, cordoned off exercise as something that you have to go do. And that's why the like, CrossFit is, is really good because they tie a social element to that. So it kind of uh, ties into our like really primal needs for, for social connectedness while giving us, us that exercise. But there's another version of the world where we're just moving about our day like doing our errands gives us most of the exercise. We're carrying heavy stuff upstairs and like carrying groceries. And like we get uh, the exercise we mostly need just by living our life. And a world where we get more of that is, is, is exciting. Exactly. So now we're t- that leads into my last question is we're talking about health and everything else. What do you do health-wise to take care of yourself that you don't burn out? You're not burning, you know, at both ends of the candle. For me, the number one is sleep. That's the one that if that starts to go off the rails, I just become much worse and I'm not like naturally good at that. So I have lots of, I I see myself as someone who has very weak willpower, but is like, okay, at creating systems to bind a future West. So that's, you know, very weak, uh, you know, eat the chocolate future West does what he's supposed to do. Mostly it's like guardrails. So I, uh, I do use like, Google Home and Home Automation to turn off different lights in my house to kind of kind of coax me to bed at uh, at 9:30 every night. Everything in my house turns off except for my bedroom lights. So I at least I don't always go to bed at that time, but I at least feel a little guilty. So it makes me more likely. So I'm like, okay, Google, turn on the front room. Okay, I guess I'm still up watching TV. Um, 
Sure. So that, that has helped. Seven things on. Oh, there's it Google looks now. like Philips Hue is unavailable right now. There you go. And we had <laughs> and Google right there. Now, featuring Google Assistant. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that, that one helps. And then I have, I use a Fitbit for look, looking at my sleep. And I look at that pretty much every day. And that tells me, oh man, I'm, I'm at a deficit. Uh, I need to fix that and go to sleep. So just kind of being aware. Um, and I also look at my resting heart rate through the Fitbit. And I also have an aura ring, which I'm like not sold on yet. So I don't know if I recommend it, but just doing basic fitness tracker, monitoring sleep and resting heart rate where resting heart rate is predictive of my just general physical well-being, cardiovascular plus recovery. So uh, I do deadlifts is the one I hate weight. I hate, hate, hate lifting weights. But if I do deadlifts once a week, like just a set of 12, I, it makes a big difference on my health. health. So that's the thing I kind of hold myself accountable to. And I have a habit tracking app that prompts me every night. Did you deadlift? Did you deadlift? And if I say no a bunch, I at least get awareness and I'll see my resting heart rate popping up. Um, I also do, uh, I just got a muse for meditation, which I've had a, a off and on meditation practice, but I'm really digging the muse cause I'm, I'm super like, I like gamification and quantification. It gets me like, I'm excited by data for like, if it's just data, I like it. Uh, so adding data about my health stuff is super motivating for me. So being able to, uh, it's, it's biofeedback. So you, you have this head, you have your headphones in, you have this thing, goofy headband looking thing around your head. And you hear uh, like this rain sound. And when the rain gets really stormy, that means your, your mind is drifting and you're not in a meditative state. If it starts getting calm, you're getting more meditative and then birds start chirping. That's whenever you're like, okay, I'm doing it. Um, so it gives you really rapid feedback. I'm like, oh, I guess I, it helps you know what a calm feels like, which uh, seems like maybe I shouldn't need it, but I, I needed it. And just that quick feedback helps me like, I know they say you're not supposed to be good at meditating and it's about to practice, but like, I don't know. I like being good at stuff and feeling like I'm getting better. So for me, it's like the, the ticket. I think for other people that might be make them neurotic, but I, I've really enjoyed that lately. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I go through the same, the same thing about meditation, weightlifting, like trying to figure things out, you know, what works, what doesn't, but you hit on a key. That last key thing was the resting heart rate. And I think that I'm going to woven all of this together here. Um, love that you talked about how you are specifically, you know, with woven, you're helping companies, you know, storytell better and find the right people better, not based on resume, but based on t- storytelling. But you just gave a story right there with health and it led in the, you know, the, the epicenter of that core was the resting heart rate. And then you're like, this is what I'm trying to do to do all the other things I've been doing to make sure that that is my, the, my core focus. It's kind of a true North. And so. Wes, I appreciate, yeah, yeah, that's your true north. Yeah, exactly. So I appreciate you talking about Woven. Um, I'm excited about for your guys, you know, going out there and, and doing some great things um, around India and beyond, um, you know, with some success stories, the offline background, helping your friends, testing that out. And um, I always enjoy talking to you because I, I get to learn a little bit more about um, you and, and, you know, how you think very systematically, but it's also very logically in the sense that, um, how we should plan our street, like streets or our t- cities this much better. And you're just always looking for that opportunity, uh, that, that outlier or that thing that other people miss to make it easy for other people to understand like rebounding, storytelling, you know, heart rate and all that kind of stuff. 
I, I am uh, I am trying to become I am historically not super good at that. That's the thing I'm trying to be better. I think it's uh, I, I say like we should think in systems, but we should communicate in stories. Um, so that's the thing I'm I'm trying to be better at. I think it's I think it's absolutely the right way to do things. But it doesn't make it easy. No, it doesn't. But I appreciate you being on this episode. And for all the Converge coffee drinkers, that's a wrap.